0: Righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Before It Was Called podcast, I'm your general host Tom Roberts, this is your special co-host Jai Setwright, introduce yourself to everyone Jai. Hi everybody,
1: how you going today, it's nice to be here Tom, it's been a while mate.
0: It has, it has indeed, it's uh, been what like five years, maybe more.
1: You know what? I was thinking about that last night, and I thought, no, I randomly ran into you right before COVID at uh, one of the World Series wrestling shows. That's right. You did, too. Yeah. And yeah. also New Japan. You, you, you're not wrong. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Maybe that uh, that second New Japan show left a little bit to be desired compared to that first one, didn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Although uh, the Robbie
1: Eagles term was friggin' awesome. Ooh. Yeah, no, that, that was good. The Aussie guys on that show did something fantastic, but I, I think what some people forget is that New Japan do a lot of those multi-man matches, so the casual fans were left a little bit disappointed, but it's what's to be expected.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, New Japan is a different kind of product compared to the mainstream, like AEW or WWE or NWA
1: to a lesser extent. Yeah, exactly. No, it's – um. Yeah, it's a whole different game. It's like, you know, to jumping from different genres of uh, music or movies. It's uh, it's not all just cookie-cutter, this is wrestling, this is what it is. Uh, I should point out, this
0: is the first episode of the Profile School podcast. Uh, this is not a interview-type show. This is a co-host-type show. So... What that means is that Jai will not be appearing for one interview segment. He'll be my co-host throughout the entire show. And we're going to talk about uh, three topics, uh, three subjects with uh, multiple topics below them, uh, which are music, professional wrestling, and general pop culture. And then we are hopefully going to uh, bounce off each other. Uh, If we don't see eye to eye on something, we'll say to each other... uh, We'll try and keep it friendly. We're both friends here, I hope. Yeah, uh, well, well, last time I checked we were, mate. I'm pretty sure if it ever got more serious than just a verbal I don't agree with you, you would eat me. <laughs> but, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, right now we're going to take a little pause and, and uh, play the new show intro. Uh, I'm a very self-hating artist, so... Uh, I don't like this intro because I don't like my own music.
1: Welcome. Welcome. Welcome.
0: Welcome. 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 Welcome.
1: Welcome. Welcome to the Before It Was Still cool podcast.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, and I hope you enjoyed the intro. Uh, I unfortunately didn't get to hear the intro because uh, that's the nature of the game. But
1: uh, <laughs> I'm sure I'll listen to it a bit later, mate. You're not going to keep that hidden from me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but uh, segment one, uh, we're going to talk about music. This is how both me and Jai met, uh, through the music course in Orange, uh, through the TAFE, but uh, also through Rock Up, which was a youth-based mm. organisation in the Central West that uh, produced music shows. Uh, but Jai was uh, he was very good at what he did, and he was a very good vocalist, or is a very good vocalist. He has a bunch of cover songs on YouTube for you to peruse. I'll throw up the link when I get a chance, when the show drops. But, uh, Jai, why don't you tell everybody about your experiences in the
1: industry of music? No, thanks for that, mate. It's, um, as you know, yeah, we, wow, that TAFE course, that went back. I was 21, I believe. That's over 10 years ago now. How time flies. But, um. Before we get into the TAFE course where we met is um, Rock Up. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was racking my brain last night going, what was that Battle of the Bands called? I can't for life me remember, but Rock Up. Um, how it got in the music is, you know, your typical 18-year-old, grew my hair out nice and long, was listening to Metallica and Motley Crue and Iron Maiden and all that before you discover everything else as you do. Um, and we just had a bunch of friends uh, and we found out about the Rock Up competition through, I think, the youth council or whatever they did, used to come through the schools and hand out flyers. Um, so I was in year 12 at the time. And yeah, they, we got the flyer and I just went to my brother and um, a couple of our mates that we knew growing up. We all kind of played an instrument except me, you know. Vocals is a talent, I guess. Uh, <laughs> You can't annoy people at band practice during tuning. You're the one who's got to sit there frustrated the whole time while the drummer checks every drum. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, we did that. And um, we only had, I believe it was six, seven weeks to get ready for this scene. And if I'm going to be honest, our first run through Rock Up was not good, not good at all. <laughs> I'm glad you never saw that one. That was very – I don't even think we played an original song. I think it was all covers. I think the only cover we did – Okay, was Judas Priest breaking the law? Um, and I'm glad we played that last because it was kind of we left on a bit of a higher note. But I remember I didn't have much vocal training at this time other than you know karaoke with the parents when I was a little fella. Um, yeah, so yeah, there wasn't very good. We didn't win, we didn't expect to win. Um, oh, I think my friend did, but uh, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, flash forward, we ended up um. Because I started doing tape with you before that second Rock Up came around, didn't we?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, because Rock Up would have been around April, May, and we started that course in, like,
1: January, February. Yeah, that's right. I do remember, because you were at the Orange Show, um, because we did the heat through Bathurst, Lithgow, and, yeah, Orange, and finishing up in Orange. That was great. I, um I Dubbo. really enjoyed that. And Dubbo, sorry, yeah, I forgot you had the Dubbo and because Broken they won, didn't they? Uh, did Broken Hill win or a Dubbo win?
0: Uh, the year you guys were in it, I'm pretty yeah. sure. What year was that? Oh,
1: well, now you pull them out. I want to say if it was 10 years ago, was it 2010, 2011? Uh, it I want to say it was the Broken Hill Boys.
0: Um, yeah, the Broken Hill Boys won the last year that they ever ran. And the
1: year yeah. before that was Dubbo. That's right, yeah, yeah. No, I remember now because um, I keep in touch with some of the um, guys from Broken Hill every now and then, uh, Harry and Dustin. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're doing well. But, um, in it's fact, I'm working boys. on some stuff with Harry at the moment, so it's uh, slowly coming together. I've got to build myself a little soundproof room because I live in a, a bunch of units now, and I tried to record some covers the other day, and uh, the bloke upstairs didn't appreciate it too much.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. That's why I love living in the house. I can talk as loud as I want and neighbours can't
1: do shit. Oh, trust me, mate. They talk as loud as they want at bloody 11 o'clock in the morning, but that's neither here nor there. But, uh, (laughs) look, yeah, no, it was great. I love the Rock Up experience. I think we came second or third. I can't remember, but I really enjoyed it because we won the Bathurst heat. We won the Lifka heat. We had to go through drummers. Uh, In the Bathurst heat, we had a completely different drummer that we had for the rest of the show because – I don't know why at the time, but he just wasn't available. Um, we won a Bathurst. He's like, hey, I can come down and do Lift going in two weeks. So we told, I believe Mitch was filling in. Uh, we said, Mitch, do you mind? He's like, no, nah, man, I'm playing with the other band anyway. That's, you know, less work for me to do. We're like, cool. And, you know, drummer's the hardest working guy on stage, but, you know, they're also the hardest to kind of round up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it was good. It was good. And it was um, it was interesting. I think that year predominantly was a lot of um, metal music for that rock-up because, you know, they're normally fairly mixed, but I think most of the bands that went through besides uh, the DJ that went all the way through to Orange, everyone else was basically a metal band. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, So to stand out as a metal band in that competition was difficult because, you know, everyone else was doing it. I know before anyone attacks me, there are 10 million different jugs Subgenres of metal, and I understand that. I don't know where we fit in that subgenre. Uh, maybe metalcore back then. Um, but yeah, no, it was all good. And you know, doing the stuff at uh, the Orange TAFE was always interesting. Um, oh, that was some great times. I still have great memories of doing that. I think uh, you were apart when we went up and did a tribute, but we broke into the Wiggles halfway <laughs> through. I remember one day. That was great.
0: Yeah. I remember that I was out in the crowd and I could not stop laughing. <laughs> that I was great. It was fucking excellent. But uh, that,
1: yeah, that, those were such good times. It's a shame, unfortunately, I never got to finish that course. Just lived too far away. I couldn't afford the trip out to Orange anymore. But um, that didn't stop me doing the music stuff. It just yeah. uh, stopped you getting a piece of paper saying I did the music stuff. <laughs> if,
0: if memory serves me correctly, you guys got a perfect score
1: in one of the heats. Well, man, we did. of the
0: best to ever do it.
1: I believe it might have been Bathurst. Bathurst or Lithgow, it definitely wasn't orange, but Bathurst or Lithgow, we got a perfect score, and we were generally surprised. Um, uh, you know what? I think it was Bathurst because we only got to do three songs. We started with – well, we did four, sorry. We started with two originals, which were fairly fairly metalcore, and then we just flipped the switch right around and did that hymn version of Wicked Game. Um yes. And I think that really impressed the judges in Bathurst and I think that's what led us towards the um, perfect score because, you know, in all fairness, not everyone gets in the metal music, um, especially, if I'm assuming, some of those judges there. So I think the switch from the constant screaming into, you know, some actual, you know, showing I could sing that night um, kind of, I guess, you know, knocked them off the seat a little bit. But no, that's, uh, I forgot about that. And you're right. I was like, yeah, we were very, um, we were very happy about that. I remember... Um, You know, you always had the friendly friendly rivalries with some of those other boys um, around those times, but, you know, that can't be helpful. We're all, you know, young and dumb and don't realise we're not rock stars.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, It was – I never entered the actual battle because I found it a bit of a conflict of interest. I was one of the main organisers for Rock Up, like for Mm. the entire – youth organisation, and I was also the host for the Orange events and I think two regional events as well in uh, Orange. And uh, I was a more popular figure than some of the bands because I was out there always, if you know what I mean. Everyone um, knew who you were. I was out there every single heat, every single... Uh, the semifinals, the regional finals, all that. So everybody knew who I was. So if I came out in a
1: band, people would be like, oh, that's the dude. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're spot on. And, yeah, it's like that it says a lot about your character as well of not taking that, oh, well, you know, I'm popular, so this is going to help us get those, you know, a little bit of a push to get through this, a bit of a crowd reaction. So, no, that's um, – it was always a of you to actually step down from that because I know how much you love playing. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you're right. I remember you were always a host for those things. And you were great. Like uh, sometimes you get some MCs where, you know, they just sound like the, the guy announcing when the table's ready at a restaurant. But you were fantastic.
0: Yeah. I remember in the final year I stepped down and handed it over to uh, – I can't remember who it was. Mate, you're trying to emulate me. Don't emulate me. Do yourself. I didn't try to emulate the guy before me because I can't do
1: him. That's it, and it, it shows. And now that I'm actually getting flashbacks, you could almost hear the anxiety in her voice from memory. Um, yeah, she was all she,
0: shaky and trying to do the loud yell thing that I did. Mate, you yeah. can't do it. Your voice isn't deep enough. I've got a naturally very deep voice, so I've got a natural very loud and yelly voice. You don't. Don't try and do what I do.
1: That's it, because, you know, the, the deeper your voice, it carries. So even if you're not... You know, you can project, you're nice and loud. It's. Uh, I did Army Cadets a long time as a little kid, and uh, that was the thing they always got me to do because uh, I guess like uh, my balls dropped early, if you will. Uh, <laughs> so I had the deeper voice back then, so I was always the one kind of leading the march with the counts because it was just a deep boobs. So I know exactly what you mean, and it's if you don't have it, don't try to do it because it's just going to sound foolish.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's funny, uh, uh, during one of the regional finals, one of the special guest bands were Soulforge from Broken L, which is uh, a shoot-off of the band Dungeon. And uh, when the lead singer, when I got off stage, I ran to the lead singer and guitarist, and they're like, you were louder than us.
1: <laughs> and man, that boy could, ca- oh, that vocalist, so I remember hearing him when they got up, and I think they were doing a, a cover of TNT, I want to say, but almost in a power metal. Uh, yeah, style. they
0: they also did "Run to the Hills" by yeah. uh, by uh, Iron Maiden,
1: and I remember thinking to myself, "Oh goddamn, I'm glad they weren't in this competition." I instantly became very real, no <laughs> yeah. ego after hearing him belt it. I was like, yep, I'm glad. I'm glad they're the um, they're just the band to play here, and they're not a part of it because they they would have blown everyone out of the water. They were fantastic."
0: Yeah, I think uh, lead singer. Same thing, he just thought it was a bit unfair if he entered, plus I think he was too old. Yeah, he was in his 30s, wasn't he? And you had to be under 25 from memory? No, you had to be under 32 to enter.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because yeah, no, I was a young fella back then anyway, so yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. But uh yeah, I do remember there being an age restriction. And I, was it... Oh, they were really good. Uh, out of Deception. I think they had a problem because one of them was was a bit older and they couldn't enter for some reason. I don't know yeah, there was something. something
0: like that. Yeah. And uh, same with uh, Deprivation.
1: Yes, with I um,
0: was and, uh, like thirty six at the time. They entered the first year, and it was last year who was eligible, and they didn't win. Whereas, like, how the fuck didn't they win? Right? Like, yeah, have you don't... heard them?
1: <laughs> it's one of those things where it, I think it definitely came down to the taste of the judge because th- what they do, they do perfect. Yeah. And I think it just had to be a biased opinion on why they didn't win. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, like, my my preferred genre of music is literally anything other than country. And by country, I mean stadium country. But they're singing <laughs> about the same three fucking subjects for every single song, like a Adele. Where <laughs> uh, they sing about either their dog, their woman leaving them, up, their truck breaking down.
1: That's it, man. It's just pop uh, pop music for southern. I, I understand why people like it. Don't get me wrong, I do. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I think every. I think there's probably one. Of those styles of songs, I enjoy, and it's uh, God, I can't remember it for for life, so I mustn't enjoy it that much. But yeah, no, I'm the I'm the same. I I will say without, I'll, I'll narrow it down a bit more. I, I do enjoy just about everything. I'm, I'm not going to lie and sit here and go, yeah, I listen to you know, experimental jazz fusion or I go out and off my way to listen to these indie bands. Um, I am primarily metal. Uh, I don't mind it when anything comes on the radio. But even saying that, there are some metal genres where I'll maybe like one band. Uh, black metal, for example, I've tried for many, many years to enjoy black metal. Um, I guess it's just not my thing. Bands like Demi Borgir and Behemoth, though, if you want to categorise them as black metal, yeah, I like them. Um, but when it comes to, I guess... I'm a bit basic <laughs> with yeah. my metal. I used to. It used to be all you know, Metallica and Guns N' Roses when I was in school. But now these days, I, I still enjoy those bands. But you know, Trivium, uh, Iron Maiden, General Power metal band, Monomar, Sabaton, stuff like that. Ghost, love Ghost. Uh, even though yeah. they get a bit of a a bad rap, I was like, yeah, they're, they're poppy, but you know, got to sing along sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Metal is a culture I think people are, are very friendly and very accepting, but there are those, um, you know, just like in any group, just like um, Star Wars fans, Lord of the Rings fans, uh, wrestling fans, you always get those toxic ones of if, if you don't like this, you're not a metalhead or you don't like metal music and you're, you know, a poser and stuff like that. No, you, you get that in every group in life. It's just uh, there's definitely some examples I can think of. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like uh, From my experience running gigs and stuff, I've noticed that uh, the one gig that I run is guaranteed never to be a fight, and that's metal. If I run rap shows, there's always guaranteed to be a fight. Especially if I run pop music, there's always guaranteed to be Mm -hmm. a fight. But by the end of the night at a metal show, almost everybody is shaking hands or hugging each other.
1: That's it, and I've done a lot of work as a medic as well, so I've done the music festivals, and I've been asked this, where they've gone, oh, you know, there's all these injuries or, you know, deaths at music festivals, and they don't happen at the big rock and metal festivals. Like, you got the odd injury, I think the the flare at one of the sound waves, but that was just some idiot lighting something off, but um, a lot of the problem comes is, uh, unfortunately, with pop culture, and it's because it is so big and so widespread that. It's going to cover most of the masses, but uh, they're very much seen as, you know, people go out, they'll either get drunk or they'll do drugs in the middle of the day. And what's killing them, it isn't the music or the festivals. It's because they're out in the sun. They're dehydrated and they get heat stroke. Um, Where I think metalheads who, you know, like myself, uh, I stay inside a lot of the time, so I know.
0: So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, sorry about the uh, little uh, glitch just then. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but I literally had a power outage. Uh, someone was so inconsiderate that they had a car accident, and they uh, took out the power to my entire region.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it took me about 10 minutes to realize that, and I was just going on and on and on. I'm like, well, he's not stopping me, so this must be gold. <laughs> Sorry about that.
0: Sorry about that. Uh, for continuity's sake, we'll just move on to the next topic. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, sounds good. So, uh, Joy, do you believe that Australia's festival scene can recover after the fall of the big
1: day out sound wave? Oh, this is a good question. This is a real good question, uh, something I talk about often with my friends. Yeah. Um, Soundwave had such a good thing going for it and it's such a shame with what happened. I know that uh double day just didn't work. Apparently it was about the same amount of fans they would normally get at these things, but it was split over two days with double the amount of bands. So it was a big financial yeah. crash, which is unfortunate. Um, and it was a real shame to go. I remember being at that last Soundwave and um, I'm thankful for it. I got to see some bands I never thought I'd see. And I just thought okay, this is only going to be a problem for two, three years. It'll be back. This is just, this is nothing. And then it didn't. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, crap. Where are we now? Um, and then the Download Festival in Melbourne uh, started up, which sucks that I couldn't get down there because the bands that played that day, oh, they're, they're on my bucket list. i got a couple of my bucket lists that I didn't get to see and I'm still kicking myself over not making the trip down there. And it was starting to look good again. Um this is probably controversial. Nothing against My Chemical Romance. Uh, in fact, me and the wife are going to go see them, but she loves them. Um, and you know what? There's a couple of a handful of songs that I really enjoy too. But I don't know if they were the right band to headline download when you're trying to get back into this festival scene. Because you went the year before, unfortunately, Aussie had to pull out, but you had Ghost, you had Slayer, you had all these. Yeah, it was a very sound wave festival. Yeah. And that's what people crave for because it's not. We just don't get it. It's we're in Australia. We're a small country. It's hard to get some of these bands down here. Like it's never going to be a problem to get you know Judas Priest or Slayer. You know, well before they packed it up and called it a day down here. But getting some of those smaller bands down here, um, and that's what I really liked about the music festival. I never would have seen. To Us Live, for example, or uh, The Who. They'll bring in The Who, that uh, Mongolian band, who I love, and I was so looking forward to seeing them in Ailstorm. Yeah. Uh, but COVID happened. Now it's going to be interesting. We're one of the few countries where it's kind of like, all right, we're starting to open back up for business. We've got Gunners and Kiss coming down at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I heard rumours Mike chem is going to come at the end of this year because I saw something about them playing in New Zealand around October. Um so, if they're going there, I assume they'd be coming here as well. But as far as recovery, it's going to be really, and this is a big, big task in their hand. How Download handles their next festival? Um, it, it, they need a they need a good lineup, and they need a killer headliner that's not going to alienate. And that's the problem I felt with MyCam. It's great headliner for any festival. You put them on any festival in the world, you're going to sell tickets. But that's not really the type of fans that go to download. You can say Download Australia only ran for two years, but look at it overseas. You kind of know what you're expecting lineup-wise with that festival. Yeah.
0: The thing that I always have to explain to people is Download UK and Download Australia, although they have the same names, they're run by two different companies, they're Mm -hmm. not the same festival. Even though they have all the same logos, same name, all that stuff, they don't have to share their lineups technically. However, no. I think it would be better if they did. Lad Nation, which is the company that runs Download in Australia, they need to look at the UK Download and go, okay, we need a Metallica. We need a uh, this, that, and the other. Like last year it would have been good because they were sharing Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, he was the headliner in the UK and he would have been the headliner in Australia. And also, I should point out that uh, whenever this argument comes up, people say, oh, but Splendour in the Grass, Blues Fest, they're, all, they're both going well, all that stuff. Yeah, but they're not touring festivals. Um, we're, nah. we're talking about the touring festivals. The Big Day Out and Soundwave were the big mega star touring festivals. I mean, the Big Day Out, for example, uh, had Nirvana, had the Chili Peppers, had Tool, had Rage Against the Machine twice had Tool twice, Chili Peppers twice. It had uh, Slipknot. It had uh, System of Down. It had Mudvayne. It had uh, The Beastie Boys. It had Ramstein. It had Iggy Pop. And Soundwave had uh, Green Day. It had Slipknot a bunch of times. It had uh, Soundgarden. It had Linkin Park. It had Metallica. It had blink 182, which Soundwave did too. Uh, Big Day Out did too. It had uh, Nine Inch Nails, which Big Day I did too. And Big Day I had the Fear Fighters twice. Yeah. So, like, and although uh, Splendor in the Grass is getting these big names, they're not touring. You, For me personally, I have, I will have to travel 15 hours just to see Splendor in the Grass, where I, uh, Big Day I had to travel four to Sydney. Or sound my
1: have had to travel forward to Sydney. And if those touring festivals become a lifestyle, like I know, yeah, and you're spot on. They are not they've got the same logo, but it's almost like franchise store. What you do at like uh one good guys is different to one other good guys because they're run by different people. Yeah. It's they've got the same logo, which is also something that they need to understand. If I go to KFC, I'm expecting to get chicken. But then if I go over to KFC in America and they're like, no, we do burgers here, what the hell are you talking about? You're going to be thrown off and you're going to be disappointed. Um, if, you, if you've if you got a logo, Download has a legendary name to it. Like yeah. It is absolutely legendary. So I think in the first two years they were right. I think – I, I don't blame them. My chem- chemical romance getting back together, that's a huge deal. But I understand why some people fell. they were alienated. Maybe the problem might have – you know, you have one – Extra semi big metal band there, and it probably would have shut a lot of people up. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who it could have been. Kill switch engage, for example. I know they were coming back down a little bit later with Iron Maiden, which I'm still upset I didn't get to go. Yeah, uh, but just something along that lines of where people can go. Okay, well they've got these bands. I can make a day, and I don't have to go over and see because uh, like Jimmy Eat World, and I don't need to see Mike if I don't like that music. I do have mine, but it was a little bit thin. There weren't. I think Testament might have been the yeah. star metal bit. Maybe yeah. Deftones you can go with, but Deftones is interesting in their own manner because they're not, and you, they're unique.
0: And also you, Deftones are one of those bands where a lot of people would take them or leave them. Mm-hmm. They're not one of those bands to go, oh yeah, they're good life. They are good life. But at the same time, their music is something you can either take or leave.
1: Yeah, it's exactly. It's um a bit like Perfect Circle in that matter. Some people, yeah, absolutely love it. People go, no, nah, I just want Tool. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I and I understood that. And I sat there in that situation going, I don't think they're going to have a problem this year until COVID happened, of course. Um, but that's something that needed to be addressed because they lost the Lacuna Coil and they replaced it with a more punky band. And I was like, you, you're doing the wrong thing. You lose a metal band, you replace the metal band. You don't... Yeah. Um, you know, you don't lose Metallica in replacement with Foo Fighters. Yes, both the same size, big, they're going to fill out a stadium, but the different people you're going to get go to these things. It's about longevity at this point. Yeah. And if you're just throwing in random stuff, it will eventually crumble. Um, you'll you'll get a few out of the bag, some are going to go really well. Um, Foo Fighters is a great example of if you got Foo Fighters a headlow download, you will sell it out, but you won't get. of those people back in the next year because they were going to go see Foo Fighters and they probably rocked up right before Foo Fighters started
0: exactly but there was a huge rumour after the because Light Nation was the company that were running uh, the Metallica Slipknot tour and there was a Mm. huge rumour that uh, Metallica and Slipknot to make up for the fact that they had to cancel that tour were going to join the download tour in Australia that didn't come to fruition, but like that would have been the perfect headlining combo for
1: download, if you know what I mean. Exactly. Even just one of those bands, you wouldn't have needed both at that point, because yeah. you know people are still aware downloads. New. I know some people are impatient. I remember when that first lineup came of Corn and Limp Biscuit Melbourne, but oh, but Soundwave bought Metallica. Yeah. Soundwave were established. Now dollar was very high at that point of time. Yeah. So,
0: and also you, you got to remember in two thousand and seven or six when it started, the headliner for Soundwave was Good Charlotte.
1: That's it. That's it. And then uh, I think their first big headliner was uh, Nine Inch Nails, wasn't it? And no, Lehman no. Got over on the metal
0: stage, it was Offspring in Norway. Offspring. You're no. right. I did miss that one. I was there. It was pretty good. It was a really, really, really shit venue. Giant Hill was fucking everywhere and you couldn't see figure out where half the stages were, so I just hung out at the metal stage
1: all day. <laughs> that was um the Eastern Creek Raceway, wasn't it?
0: No, no, that was I think it was Sydney Park. They uh, moved to yep. Eastern Creek just after that. With uh Nine Snowers and Iron Maiden. And then they moved yeah, nah- to the uh,
1: their showgrounds Olympic Park. at Olympic yeah. Park. Yeah. That was good. And I think Download had a good venue where they were running it. Um, and I hope they pick the ball up and run with it because people are starving for entertainment. Um, so they could. This could – I hope something comes along when they run it March. Next March they put on a festival and – Everyone's just eager to go, so everyone goes. They make some money, and they can start building like Soundwave did. Um, I feel it'd be silly from not to capitalise on that. Uh, but read your audience. I, yeah. I didn't think I. Mike of course, like I said, is a great headliner for any festival. But if you want repeat business, I don't think they were the band you wanted headlining that festival. Who do you, if
0: MyCam aren't headlining next year's uh, download festival, because I've announced that it will be, if COVID allows, it will be touring the entire nation again. uh yep. if, COVID, if COVID allows, who do you think will be the headliner for next year's if MyCam is out?
1: If MyCam's out, this is going to be a hard one. um, And, you know, I know there's a couple of bands touring my Gut instinct would have once upon a time said Iron Maiden. Um, that is a band you can bring out there, not the you know arena selling out band like Metallica is, but they're you know one of the biggest and legendaryest metal bands of all time. Um, I don't think they'll go that big because um, I'm sure they lost money with having to cancel the last download uh, and canceling Metallica and Slipknot. They obviously had a bad couple of months.
0: They're insured.
1: I don't think yeah. they lost much money at all. Uh, okay. No, that's good. That's good. Then if that's the case, um, I think you need – maybe you don't need someone as big as Iron Maiden. Um, maybe uh, – I'll probably get slack for this one. May, uh, you know what? They're probably not the right because that's what ended Soundwave, bringing to the horizon. But you know what? They're probably not right for that festival. Not maybe. to headline. They're more of a uh, UNFD kind of headliner. Mm. But I could see a band the size of Iron Maiden doing it. If you want to go a little bit small on that, uh, maybe an Avenged Sevenfold. The Hella Mega Tour was cancelled. Maybe they're going to do Green Day. Um, Yeah. But I think it's going to be one of those things where I don't think it's going to be MyChem now, and I don't think it'll be Deftones. I think they'll move on and do their own show. Uh, Slipknot would make a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. Yeah. they're meant to come down. I think Metallica might be a bit too big, but a lot of these bands will be itching to play to a live crowd, man, and yeah. we're one of the only countries that's going to allow it. So maybe. See,
0: I my theory is that uh, after all this time of playing to no crowds, they're going to come out swinging for the fucking fence. And mm. uh, my theory is a band that was supposed to reunite this year or last year, but uh, unfortunately COVID happened. And uh, next year also, we're having uh, what's called a federal election. And last Mm. time they toured Australia, we are having what's called a federal election. And uh, my theory is Rage Against the Machine.
1: Yeah. It's hard to um, book a festival without throwing their name in the hat, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Especially now they
0: guarantee that they're reuniting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense, and especially the way the world is. You know, they that that's actually you might be spot on, um, and I don't think you can go wrong with them. Because uh, to it, me,
0: they they appease the uh, pop fans, they appease the rap fans, they appease the metal fans, they appease the punk fans, and they appease the political crowds. Unless you're yeah. against their views, which is pretty much the entire right of government, <laughs> but. Uh, like, I know they got into shit last time they came out because in middle of, I think it was Freedom, they took the pause where in their live shows, they usually say Freedom for... Uh, I can't remember who they say. I'm terrible with names. But uh, in the live show in Sydney, which I was at, which I'm people are very jealous because I'm like, I've seen Roger <laughs> Machine live. But... Uh, they paused and they took an entire speech out against Howard, John Howard, and uh, they got into a lot of shit over it because they just called him on fucking everything. <laughs> but uh, the point is that uh, they will probably do that with Scott Morrison. Like, yeah. Not probably. They would definitely do that with Scott Morrison because like they are like, what the fuck are you going to do to us? We just got paid a million dollars each. Per show. That's it. <laughs> we don't give a shit. And then right at the end of the set, they actually said, uh, you know what? Our music is free if you download it illegally. We're already rich, so we don't need the money.
1: <laughs> That's it, man. It's You can't silence that type of voice. Um, but do you know, uh, and you, I don't know if you've seen this news. I'm sure you have because you're very up to date. You know one band I do want to play this sound wave, uh, not Soundwave, Download? Who's that? Mudvayne. Mudvayne. Fuck yeah. Oh, God, I've been praying for
0: a Mudvayne reunion. Well, I, I, they're one band I haven't gotten to see live yet, and their, their album Lost and Found got me through a very dark period in my
1: teenage years. I think that's one of those bands that – um People forgot about it, and I'd forget about it. And it only it was only six months ago, I was like, oh, I wonder what Chad Gray said about a Mudvay reunion recently, and it was kind of nothing. And then yesterday, here we are, Mudvay are getting back together, they're playing a show in September. Oh, that's so cool. It's uh,
0: after the whole Greg Trebet leaving, hell yeah. You know, I mm. was worried that it would never happen, but yeah. It's great to hear that it is finally
1: happening. Yeah, and I think it was, it's well overdue. You get some of these bands and you sit there going, wow, they haven't gotten back together and had a reunion show yet or a reunion tour. And Mudvayne, I've always felt like, why? And after the tragedy of, you know, we lost Vinnie Paul, yeah, I thought, yeah, who knows? Uh, they're either going to continue Hell Yeah with a new drummer or maybe we'll get that Mudvayne reunion and the latter has happened. Yeah, exactly. And I think, like, to
0: your earlier point, a band that could have bolstered the down uh, lineup with MyCam would have been Mudvayne either co-headlining mm-hmm. or just below them. Because I don't believe there are enough of a mainstream draw, draw to sell out an entire festival's worth of uh, oh, no. 50,000 tickets per show kind of thing. But at the same time, like, if they were bolstered by another band like MyCam, they could easily sell that festival
1: out. Exactly. And that's, if you want to book Mike Emmett or a band like that, you've got to have, you've got to cater to that other hardcore audience because these metalheads, if you want to call them that, or people who like metal music are going to go to these shows. But if you do them wrong a couple of times, they're going to give you the big fuck you and not show up anymore. That's, they started doing that big day out. When big day out, started to get a little bit more poppy towards the end and Soundwave kind of took that audience away from them, look, someone, someone else will do it. I don't know who's got the money to back it, but be careful because metalheads remember, um, and they'll remember if you don't, you know, if you give them Ozzy and Slayer and Ghost and all these bands and then next year you give them um, Jimmy Eats World and MyChem. don't get me wrong, nothing against those bands, and they're not going to be happy with you. But if you threw in Mudvayne and then you've got Testament on there, you got like The Who, you got – a couple of other bands like that. I think they had some black metal bands there. Go, you're going to keep those guys happy. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to have you're, you're spot on. Mudvayne or a band of that caliber reuniting. Uh, it was kind of like when uh, Soundwave got Cold Chamber to reunite. Yeah, that type of deal. Yeah, but I think Mudvayne. Uh, don't come at me, Cold Chamber fans. But I think Mudvayne's a bigger deal getting back together, especially with all the uh, the memes going around for the last couple of years with them.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the point in a first festival of that size even though uh, Download and Soundwave in particular were directed at, or actually I should put that the other way around, but uh, they were directed at one market, like one genre Mm. kind of thing, the heavier genres like punk, hardcore, heavy metal, things like that. Uh, The point is to still, it is a festival. It goes for almost 12 hours. It has to have variety to survive. However, mm-hmm. if you still don't know your audience, then the variety should be broader. If you know what I mean, and if you know your audience, that's when you can target.
1: Exactly, and I think Soundwave was doing that right. Like they'd have Sum Forty One and Paramore and Gallows and all that on one stage, and on you know the metal stage, you might have. I think one year it went. Cold Chamber Trivium in Flames Gojira and then on the main stage you had Manson Limp Biscuit, um and Slipknot
0: Yeah I'm that's a really and good variety of down as well Yeah I was yeah, there it, that year.
1: System yeah System of so Down was I. Was so
0: shit live
1: yeah, I was disappointed. I uh, ended up leaving after a couple of songs. and went and uh, watched Machine Head for the fourth time.
0: <laughs> yeah. like, and the metal stage was so good that day. It had uh, Gojira, it had Meshuggah, it had Lamb of God. It had all these bands that just fucking that were playing one after the other. And I was like, holy shit. And then it was closed yeah. out by Machine Head. I was like, what yeah. the? This is crazy. This is a... Festival on its own, and it was on uh, stages
1: three and four over to the right and out the back. Yeah, it was insane because, yeah, I, I believe that was uh, that open with. Yeah, tourists Us time as grace and shadows fall. They were all they were all on the earlier in the day as well. I remember just sit, thinking to myself, I could just sit at the metal stage all day, but you know the curiosity of me, I was like, I have to go see how Limp Bizkit are live. I needed to see that. Yeah, and I, uh,
0: that was that was my theory as well. I had to I had to at least say that I've seen Limp Bizkit
1: live, and my God, did they not disappoint? That was so oh. good. I remember walking over right after Trivium played, right into them starting up my generation. I was like, oh, okay, yep, fantastic.
0: (laughs) And like a lot of people got uh, criticized them because their set slowed down when they did the apology to Jessica. But Mm -hmm. but they were playing on the same stage point uh, that they were when she died in Sydney, at the same city, in the Mm -hmm. same exact same spot. They couldn't ignore it.
1: There. They couldn't ignore it. No, they, and they did it for her. That was their way of saying, look, this did happen. It was a tragedy. We're sorry. Her, their, her dad was there. Yeah. So it it had the approval of the family. I thought it was needed. I thought Manson was very disrespectful having a shot at limb biscuit after that. Yeah. Oh,
0: I've never lied, Manson. And all the stories that have come out recently, I was like, yeah, dad does not surprise me that he uh, is a woman beater.
1: Mm, um, Sometimes you hear things and it's never good to hear these things. You never want it to happen. But sometimes, you know, oh, Manson did this. It's kind of like, well, unfortunately that makes sense. It doesn't justify it or make it any better. Um, But, yeah, it's it's a shame, especially so many people idolise that man too. Um, And, you know, idolise who you want to an extent, there are certain people you should definitely not idolize. Won't get into that on this podcast. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure that came to a blow to a lot, because a lot of women idolize that, man. Um, yeah. And a lot of men, like a lot of people, it's um, it's a shame because, you know, you grow up for years thinking, oh, this person was like this all along. If all allegations are true and I'm not here saying this all happened and I'm not denying it either, it's – it just, it sucks yeah. that, you know, these public figures that we look up to tend to, you know, start letting us down more and more. We're not judge, jury, and executioner.
0: We're just uh, stating our beliefs on what uh, he's actually like. And for me, I wasn't surprised when the allegations came out. If yeah. the allegations are true, I'm like, like, I don't, won't ever uh, say that I was right. I won't ever rub it in anyone's face like I told you man some speeches yet if the allegations are wrong I'll say yes I was wrong so uh we're up to segment two and uh we're still here with Jai of course and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, one of my favourite subjects of all time. I know it's one of dryers. uh mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about professional wrestling.
1: All right, let's take that away. Where Where do you start, professional wrestling? <laughs> well, you're a professional wrestler in your own
0: right. You, I am. What What is your uh, kayfabe name? Roswell. Roswell. You, so you dropped the Jai from
1: it. I did. Um, that was never something I wanted to add to it. Uh, I kind of got talked into it by uh, a few of the wrestlers in training. Like, oh, no, add Jai Roswell. Add Jai Roswell. I was like, it doesn't make sense. That actually sounds like a, you know, a shoot, a real name. Um, yeah. I wanted my stage name to be separate to me. Um, so after my debut match against Caesar, which was, I loved that match. That was fantastic. Um I dropped it, and I was just like, stop calling me. There's a couple of wrestlers that will still go, Jai Roswell, and like, I think they just know who because it gets out of my skin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it's. Um, I think it's important to an extent um, to have a stage name and have that be different um, in wrestling in particular, because you are playing a character. I'm normally the heel, the bad guy. I'm not like that at all in real life, so I need to be able to switch that in my head of okay, you're playing Roswell now. When it was Jai Roswell, uh, it's my name. I've got to act like Jai to an extent. So it was very important to cut that out.
0: Yeah. And uh, that's what a lot of people say. uh, There are exceptions to rule, like Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, who were huge outside of professional wrestling before they got in. They couldn't really... Uh, changed their names once they got in, Kurt Angle won the Olympic gold medal. And even though it's not well-known in Australia, Brock Lesnar was an NCAA champion, everyweight champion, which mm. is huge in America, so they couldn't change his name. There no. are exceptions to those rules. However, most people have different names. Like Steve Austin wasn't Stone called Steve Austin when he was born. He was Steve Williams. That's it. Or Shawn Michaels that's... wasn't Sean Michaels, who was Sean Hickenbottom.
1: <laughs> and that's not a, a great uh, wrestling name unless you're doing the mid-south territories in the 80s. That didn't uh, probably translate well on the east and west coast. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's funny because he actually did do the mid-south territories in the mid-80s. Mm. <laughs> mm. That, and he was great. And, like, Sean's one of the best of all time. But it is. It's important to have that stage name. Um Uh, And John Cena. John Cena was just John Cena. I can't picture John Cena under any other name. It's such a wrestling name as it is. Randy Orton, another one. But then you've got Bray Wyatt, great wrestling name. But his real name, Windham Rotunda, that's a fantastic wrestling name as well. And the Rotunda
0: name is just huge in wrestling anyway. That's it. People don't realize that Bray Wyatt the Fiend
1: is a third-generation superstar. That's it. His dad used to run around asking everyone to pay their taxes. <laughs> yeah. If, if people don't know
0: what we're talking about, we're talking about the early 90s, late 80s gimmick of
1: IRS. That's Bray Wyatt's father. And that and that helps because you, you can look at Bo Dallas and go, oh, yeah, that's uh, IRS's kid. But looking at the Bray Wyatt gimmick, having that related to IRS doesn't make any sense. So it made sense that he had a different name. Exactly. Um, so, and sometimes you just got to do it and you, you got the legacy. It's fine to keep Ted DiBiase Jr. Randy Orton works, but Cody Rhodes. Yeah. Another one. Um, but yeah, even though that's not his real last name. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's important. And it's the same in wrestling um, locally um, to have a character because people, people can watch wrestling. Wrestling's available absolutely everywhere it's on youtube it's on free to air tv it's on foxtel in australia the you've fight, got fired up the new japan world yeah so or the, when you have yeah. a wrestling show in australia you need characters you can't just be oh jim and bob that you knew in high school or getting up and doing a match together there needs to be a story and a magical essence to it if you will
0: yeah exactly it's uh Like, I tried to explain to my wife, who is not a wrestling fan at all, doesn't get into all that stuff. Uh, I tried to explain to her it's a different feeling going to see it live. Watching it live is a totally new experience. I had a mate, same thing, didn't like wrestling at all. He didn't want to go see it, and I'm like, dude, just go with me. And he went, and uh, the main event was Mandy Wahlberg, who, just for a second, I want to shout out and say congratulations to him. Just got signed to WWE on a Performance Center contract. And uh, Jimmy Havoc in a death match. And he was like, will there be blood? I'm like, oh, that's right. He doesn't know who Jimmy Havoc is. My <laughs> am like, dude. Will there be blood? <laughs> just so you know, this guy took his boots off and jumped on barefoot onto thumbtacks. I'm like, yeah, there will be blood, and he's like, <laughs> "Holy crap!" He's so like, "Will there be a lot of blood?" And I'm like, "Dude, I'm pretty sure this guy drinks blood so that he can bleed more."
1: <laughs> no, you're not wrong. It's one of those things, too. And I guess seeing it live, um, and I hate to use this word, but take some of the the fake out of it for people who aren't uh, wrestling fans because they see it and they can hear it and they can feel it. And when the wrestlers come out afterwards, um, a, a lot of people who wrestle me will often come out with big, my handprints on their chest after every match because I can't help myself <laughs> and I have to do that move every match. Uh, I'm sure some people hate hate it, but there's nothing like hearing that big double overhead chop and yeah. hearing that crowd go, oh, okay, all right, okay, this, is, uh, this isn't fake, this isn't what I thought will get. Yeah, exactly. Like
0: uh, I took my wife to, I think it was a, yeah, it was, it was a PWA show at the factory theater. It was Jewish and Thunder Ligers for our last tour of Australia. And uh, I took it to that thinking, I took it <laughs> to that thinking, okay, this will be a good introduction to her. But it was the matches beforehand. I'm like, listen to the chops. You can't fake being hit in the chest and have it make that slapping sound. You can't fake that. No. And then uh, the people who have been to Factory Theatre would know this. There is a little step about three-quarters of the way up the room and mm. about a, th- a third of the way of the room there's another step. On that little platform is where PWA put the ring so that they have an entrance ramp. And yep. uh, it was Madison Eagle's first match back. And she did a uh, – uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it was a moonsault over the top rope to the outside. So like a somersault almost. Yeah. But her neck came within half a centimetre, was smacking into the step, and if she had hit it, she probably wouldn't have walked away from the match.
1: And that's it. it is so, there's so many different elements that go into this because – not only are you there to put on a show uh, and protect yourself, but more importantly, protect the person you're in the ring with. Um, you know, you still throw each other around. It hurts, and you have backaches and everything like that. But you don't want you don't want Madison Eagles coming down, smashing a head on those stairs. You don't want someone to spike on their neck and you know not get up or a break an arm or something like that. Yeah. It's not it's not what it is uh and if you want to see that stuff like you know watch watch mma like you're not going to get that all the time but if you crave that intense level of violence um it's out there there's something for everyone but um it's a live costume stunt show uh for lack of better terms um it's real what we're doing is real yes there are some things planned out um but you know, it's um, we're we're not landing on these big pillows. In fact, a lot of the wrestling rings I wrestle in are plywood boards with carpet over the top, and then a tarp, and that's it. You yeah. think there's ten inches of padding? There's not. And trust me, when I hit it, I definitely know there's not ten inches of padding on that one. Like,
0: <laughs> oh, I took a, a few different people to wrestling shows and. You know what it's like at the end of an indie wrestling show? They always pull down the ring almost immediately as soon as the uh, show has ended. And yep. I tell them, just stick around for about a minute longer and just watch what the ring is actually made of. Like, yeah, it's like almost a trampoline up there. <laughs> no, it's a fucking knot. <laughs> they pull apart the ring and they realize that it's just two by fours running the length of the ring. With little uh, play mats over the top of them so you're not der- landing directly on wood covered by canvas.
1: And that's it. below that is steel framework. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what bends. That's what the trampoline effect is. It's just that we're so heavy, we're making the wood and the metal bend. It's not like there's, a, there's it's spring-loaded or anything
0: yeah, like that. Like, it's, it comes from that show back in the 90s, I think it was, Behind the Ring or whatever it was, where yep. they showed the uh, shock absorber beneath the ring. They don't do that anymore. They haven't done that for, no. like, decades.
1: No, I think there's only uh, one ring in Australia that actually has that spring still in it, and it, trust me, it doesn't uh, doesn't help at all. It does make the um, the move sound a lot louder, but from memory, there's only one spring, uh, ring with a spring left. Yeah, yeah,
0: they're uh, not common and they're very rare, and they're uh, they yeah, it just because has a sh- one shock is up or in the middle doesn't stop. If from hurting a person's size of a car landing <laughs> on
1: their back, that's it. That's it, and I think the people that like wrestling appreciate that, and they know. Yeah, exactly. people know what it is, um, and it's it's good to see the local Australian scene thriving. I've taken a step back in what my involvement is and if uh wrestling in here blows up i am definitely not going to take any credit for that whatsoever (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i had my run of working you know every weekend or twice of the weekend i've i've come back i I work one place in particular i might do the odd here and there but uh it's um i won't say i'm doing it as a light hobby i do still take it seriously um it's just I've got a, I've got a lot of other stuff on and wrestling for the guys, especially in the guys in you know PWa. You get some of the blokes in Suplex are fully committed to this. You get blokes yeah. in uh, Newcastle Pro Wrestling. There are certain there's you can see it, you can see it, and this is what they want to do, and they want to blow up overseas. And all the power to them. Go do it. They're excited to watch. There's a, there's a couple of people I can think of right now that if you go back and listen to this in three years, you're going to go, "Oh yeah, they're they're one of the top guys in the country," or they've worked overseas.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, I did an interview with uh, I think it was Adam Brooks about mm. five years ago, and he he was pretty much saying, "Oh yeah, I'm good, but I'll never be that good. I'll never go overseas. All that stuff." Now he's a Ring of Honor sign, a like, Yeah, that's and, it. And, like, WWE and AEW have got their eyes on him. But, yeah. uh, like, uh, I remember Jonah Rock, I uh, watched a match with him and I got to meet him after the show, and he was like, oh, yeah, WWE is like a dream, but I don't think it will ever happen. A year later... He was like, I saw the G three match and hit Adam Brooks and Robbie Eagles at Max Watts in uh, Sydney, and I met them. And he's like, "Yeah, so I'm going over now."
1: <laughs> it's funny how things change, man. There's, yeah. And there's a couple of guys in a, like Slex. Slex is another example. Yeah. I always knew he was going to blow up. Same.
0: Uh, and the fantastic. Yeah, I I knew as soon as I met any member of the TMDK, they will. The Mighty you don't kneel, I just knew they were gonna be big. Like mm. even Tm sixty one in America, in WWE, they were
1: part of the TMDK stable in Australia that's yeah exactly right so they uh we all knew they were going to blow up and we all knew uh walberg was going to blow up and steph we knew they were going to blow up. it was just a matter of not if but when even if they didn't believe it and i, I believe uh if you've ever met Matty, he definitely knew he was going to blow up and yeah. more power doing he's a fantastic wrestler he yeah. knows exactly what he's doing there's a couple of guys now uh even though I'm friends with you, I'm going to say he's probably going to hate me for saying it. Matt Gage, um, he has the charisma down packed. He's getting better at the wrestling part, but once he gets out wrestling part, he is he's going to be the next bloke we're talking about in three years down here. Yeah, exactly. And like people
0: like oh, but like Robbie Eagles is considered the uh, almost the pinnacle of Australian wrestling at the moment. Just because he's not signed with WWE or AEW or Ring of Honor doesn't mean that he's not, like, a big deal. He's signed with Nooch Van, and he's headlined Nooch Van Shows. He's part of the Chaos Stable, and they ran, like, pretty much the Great Southern Showdown
1: pay-per-view around his turn. Yeah, they did. And that's what they go, if you're not in the WWE, you haven't made it. But Robbie, he's a perfect example. And... You know what? The flight to Japan is only eight and a half hours. It's a lot easier than flying to America all the time. So if he wants to do that, more power to him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, and um, yeah,
0: yeah. Like he's a perfect example to me of making it without doing it the mainstream way. Like he makes a very comfortable living. He he does what he loves for a living. He. Even in the COVID era, he can still work in Australia, and pretty much any promotion in the country is going to say yes to working with Robbie Eagles. There are a few that they will say 100% yes to, like any member of the Four Nations faction. Uh, uh, Most of the guys coming out of MCW or uh, what is it, PWC in Melbourne or even Suplex or Newcastle Pro, they're going to say yes to them. But like, he is the quintessential example that I show to people of how good Australian wrestling actually is.
1: Yeah, you're right, and that's a, and that's a heavy burden on... Him as well, because yeah. uh, he is that torchbearer for us at the moment. He is the guy still doing the shows down here, doing the big shows in Japan. Like he's doing it. It's uh, it's creating very much the Will Ospreay way. He's making a big name for himself without going to that giant American Federation.
0: Yeah, what do you think of uh, Will Ospreay when the big one?
1: That surprised me. I always knew it was going to happen. Um, they, I just didn't think then. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be Koda. No. Nah, um, I always thought with uh, Ibushi, uh, and I guess this is getting into another topic we want to discuss That Forbidden Door, um, was you're going to eventually have this, you know, asshole Kenny Omega running around, and then Koda Ibushi was going to come in and go, hey, remember – who you are, if you will, and maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that's why they took the title off Coda. Yeah, that was my sneaky
0: segue, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, I knew. I saw. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what do you believe of AEW opening the Forbidden Door? First of all, can you explain to listeners, or both of us, if you will, I'll interject every now and again, what the Forbidden Door actually is?
1: Okay, I think the best way to describe the Forbidden Door to someone who doesn't watch wrestling is when you w- go watch the Avengers, they're not talking about Batman or Superman. They don't exist. Unless you're Deadpool. Um, unless you're Deadpool. <laughs> exactly. He's the fourth wall breaker. That's kind of what AEW does to an extent. But yeah. they just don't exist. You don't talk about it. You'll notice the WWE doesn't talk about other wrestling promotions. It's very rare, and it's happened a few times. Unless the you're yeah, unless you're Stone Cold. But even he didn't do it on T V. It's always, oh, they grew up big in Japan or they did this, they did that. No, they don't he mention. Just, he
0: just had Chris Jericho on the uh Stone Cold show on the network. Yeah.
1: And that's it. That that's and that's what opening the Forbidden Door is. Imagine, you know, um, all of a sudden Captain America starts talking to Bruce Wayne. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's what it is because it's just something you didn't think would ever have, especially working together. Now an interview with what Jericho and Stone Cold did, which was great. I recommend if you're a wrestling fan, definitely check that out. Um, And it was a lot of insight. They didn't hold back on talking about AEW. They didn't hold back on talking about New Japan. That's what opening the forbidden door is, is talking about your rivals, if you will. Um, But what AEW has done a step further than that is they're bringing people in from other promotions. They've got the good brothers from Impact who used to be part of WWE on AEW Weekly, but the big thing was Kenta from New Japan. Yeah. Um, I don't think anything like that has happened since... WCW working. Oh, no, I lied. You, there was a very small thing that happened once upon a time where Jushin Thunder Liger came in and wrestled. Uh, who's the pretty boy? Tyler? Oh, uh, Tyler Bates, yeah. No, he's the British guy. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Breeze.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Yeah, and but they never really mentioned he was a New Japan guy. They just were like legendary wrestler Jushin Liger and they showed all of his WCW footage. Yeah. Um, so that's an example of that kind of happening, but – Kenta came in with the Bullet Club shirt on, attacking a member of AEW who was a member of New Japan that they just never talked about.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, the forbidden door, WWE have, uh, this is pretty much when it closed for good. They did have it open back in, I think it was 93, after Hulk Hogan did his thing and squashed Yokozuna after Bret Hart did all the work. Uh, (laughs) and. At WrestleMania 9, then he fucked off for three months. But in that three months, he was in Japan working. And uh, in one of his interviews, he called the IWGP World Heavyweight title the real world title, and this is nothing but a trinket and a toy. And he was referring to, at the time, it was called the WWF world title. And when Vince McMahon heard about that, he closed the door
1: permanently. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. Uh, After that happened, Vince was like, no one's going to belittle my product. And as a businessman, that's what you should do. As much as it's a detriment to uh, fans who want to see all these companies working together, you've got to understand it's like it doesn't happen in the the real world. Yeah. You don't have iPhone, you know, working with Sony on how to make their iPhone better or something. They're rivals, and you need that competition. Exactly. Um, And it's still – With AEW opening the door and bringing in people from Impact and New Japan, and I'm extremely interested to see where they're going with that. Um, I have my ideas. I think it's going to be the original Bullet Club against the The fake Bullet Club, if you will, the elite. Um, So that's exciting. I think it's a good time to be a wrestling fan, Um, and I'm glad – Someone didn't. I think AEW needed to do it too. They've obviously been more successful than anyone could have thought, but this will kind of, you know, keep them going.
0: My theory is, and this is a bit of fantasy booking because I like doing that stuff, but I never really publicly release it, is uh, the G1 is going to be won by, uh, uh, what's his name, Kazuchika Okada. Yep. Okada is going to beat Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. And then at the next pay-per-view revolution, it's going to be Okada versus Omega.
1: I can see that too. I don't think you're actually that far off with that one. Um, I
0: reckon Omega is going to hold the title for a very, very, very long time. All this talk about John Moxley taking it off him again, or are those taking it off him? No, John Moxley? Nah. Is a great wrestler. I've never been a huge. I was never a fan of Dean Ambrose. I'm not a huge fan of John Moxley, but I'm a bigger fan of him when he doesn't have a belt. When he's chasing the belt, is when I'm a bigger fan of John Moxley. He does better work when he chases the belt.
1: If you know yep. what I mean. And no, uh, that you're right. And that's uh, a lot of baby faces are the same. Um, and to those who don't know that term, that's the good guy. So chasing the belt, it's like a movie. It's you defeating the supervillain, but sometimes when you've defeated that supervillain, those wrestlers can become stale. Um, And we've seen it throughout the years. There's been plenty of wrestlers that are good guys. Fans want them to win that belt so badly, but when they do, they're just kind of like, oh, well, you, you won it. We we don't care anymore, but then they get angry when they lose it. But that's that's just wrestling for you. Wrestling fans and Star Wars fans are uh, the biggest fans for what they love, but they're also the most negative fans for what they love. Yeah, exactly. Like uh to
0: put it in an example, like a lot most people would say when Shawn Michaels returned after the four years that he had off after he broke his back, he was far superior than he was in the like twelve years he had running up to it.
1: Mm-hmm. However,
0: what people don't realize is yes, he won the belt at the Survivor Series 2002 in the Elimination Dream, but he dropped it a month later at the Armageddon in the three stages of hell match, the Triple H. He never won a belt after that. He won tag titles, but he never won a single belt after that.
1: Like, no.
0: Not a single one. But he always challenged. Always challenged. Yep. Because per, Shawn Michaels was one, the perfect guy to get a five-star match out of, Josiah like Undertaker, And two, just, or John Cena. And two, just one of the perfect baby faces, or heels, to be chasing that belt.
1: Yeah, exactly. And there's very few people that can switch to heel and face and still be that impactful. Uh, Shawn Michaels is one. Um, And I think Shawn Michaels is probably the greatest at it. Um, One person who doesn't get enough recognition for it, I think, is Kurt Angle. Yeah, Um, yeah. He could play face or heel well. I would put Chris Jericho out there as Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I was about to mention Jericho as well, because there's some people that are very obvious they're better in the other role. Uh, Randy Orton is a much better heel. Triple H is Um, a much better heel. And you know what? You could argue Edge – um, oh, oh I think yeah. he's a great baby face, but uh, he is a far superior heel. The Rated um, he Arse Superstar a... is designed to be a heel. Yep. Oh. He can be a face, but it's kind of like, ah, uh, you can't keep him that for too long. The,
0: uh, and if you haven't noticed, we have already segued in the third topic. Uh, should I should have. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> which is WWE Creative, by the way, for those people who haven't guessed it yet. Uh, the other. The other one that is far superior as a heel is Roman Reigns. Yeah, wow. And what a heel he is. This Um, head of the table gimmick is so good, so good. I cannot wait. Uh, They reckon it will happen in about two years. The match between the head of the table, Roman Reigns, and the man that built the table, Dwayne The Rock Johnson.
1: That's a dream, isn't it? Like, that's logically what makes sense and i hope it can happen because it'll be great i think and a lot of people will probably be upset but maybe Reigns should go over but at the same time it makes sense to have the rock be that guy to beat him so he becomes beatable again because that's they haven't run into that problem i'll give wwe creative this they haven't run into the roman reigns and i'm going to call it the fiend problem where you they book the beans the fiend so strong at the beginning where he took like 700 finishes and he literally got murdered with a sledgehammer to lose. How do you beat that guy? Yeah, exactly. You've accidentally made a super – you've made Superman yeah. as a character. You can't do that with wrestlers. They need to be able to be beaten. And as much as people were upset about it, it made sense to do it to Goldberg because, one, Goldberg's not there full time. He can take the heat. And Goldberg beating The Fiends, you know, it do not doesn't even matter at his age. Is kind of believable.
0: Yeah, it, I came up with a theory ages ago of what they actually should have done to both protect the fiend and put Goldberg. Uh, use Goldberg to protect the fiend and put Roman Reigns over. What they mm. should have done is that super showdown when it was Fiend versus Goldberg. Had the Fiend take the spear seconds into the match because we've already proven one. The best in the best situations, a goal word match should never go longer than a minute. Uh, <laughs> in, and in Saudi Arabia, if you make him go over 30 seconds, he's gonna nearly kill the Undertaker.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh, what should happen is straight as soon as the bell hit, should have speared the fiend, got straight back up, did the whole uh gimmick that he does, pick up the fiend, jackhammer him. And then the fan kicks out at one, which would have been like, would have, the Saudi crowd probably wouldn't have like noticed probably because a lot of them are ordered to be there for lack like, of a better time. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, yeah, they should have kicked out at one, which would have made every international fan or American fan go, oh, what the hell yeah. just happened? And then all of a sudden get up and it just place the mandible claw straight on him and have uh, Bill Goldberg pass out. Mm. One kicking out of the jackhammer would have put him... put the fiend over like crazy because no one does that. I think only like two people in history have ever kicked out of the jackhammer. Have Roman win the Royal Rumble, which wouldn't have gone over well, but we're not nah. actually caring at the moment because at that time... Uh, Roman was never going to be over. And then have at WrestleMania in the main event, The Fiend versus Roman Reigns for the Universal World title. or oh, the Universal title. You can't – yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> and, and pretty much uh, had The Fiend dominating for most of the match. Then, like, literally – seconds before he takes his spear from Roman Reigns, have him grab his head and shake his head and rip off the mask. And then mm. just have Roman spear him. One, two, three, Roman's a universal champion. Then have Bray Wyatt, aka the Fiend, disappear for a couple of months. Right before the uh pay-per-view a couple of months away, have uh the Fire Fire Funhouse no uh no build up talk. no it's for only tonight like they always do. Just have it appear then uh have uh Bray Wyatt like don't have uh all of his puppets there, don't have him doing the yowie wowie gimmick. Just have Bray Wyatt sitting there and talking to the screen going like as in the camera's not there and he's not talking to the audience, he's trying to talk to himself. Saying, why did you leave? Why did you leave me? Why did you go? Why would you leave right then? We could have had it all. And then the Firefire Fun Hour segment ends. And everybody's going, what the fuck is he talking about? Have Michael Cole. Well, what's going on? I'm not quite sure. I have Corey Graves. I like, pretty much go, okay, that was weird. Anyway, uh, moving on. Here we go. And then... uh about a pay-per-view before SummerSlam having returned again. And, but this time it's not uh, Bray Wyatt, Firefly Funhouse. It's Bray Mm. Wyatt from NXT. And then it's kind of similar to uh, to the Funhouse match, but I pitched this about six months before, so I want my royalties. But, uh, (laughs) <laughs> have Bray Wyatt appear as the NXT version of Bray Wyatt, or even the Husky Harris version of Bray Wyatt, where he just sits there and he goes, "I'm the uh, I'm the Sherman tank with the Ferrari engine, or whatever you said back then," and go yeah. out there and have a match, and then he like loses that match, and then come out the next week as the Bray Wyatt from NXT, the original cult leader, the the Wyatt family leader. Same thing. Come out, lose, and then uh, have the Bray Wyatt with the butcher's apron, the WWE main roster debuting style Wyatt family Bray Wyatt come out and yep. win the match. That's when he starts winning, and then have Bray Wyatt uh, Fire Fire House come out and win a number one contenders match. The whole while. Roman is still the champion. He's squashing everyone all the way up to SummerSlam. And the number one contender's match was for SummerSlam. But there is a pay-per-view in between then and SummerSlam. But uh, the whole lead-up to SummerSlam should be Bray Wyatt playing these psychological games with uh, Roman Reigns. But the whole time, it should be... uh, him not paying attention to the camera whenever there's firefly fun hours segment, begging the mm. fiend to come back, Just begging him, begging him, saying, why did you leave, why did you leave, why did you leave? I want, need you to come back. I need you to come back. And then about a week before SummerSlam, he should do a home invasion angle. You see, mm. this can also introduce the head of the table Roman Reigns for Roman to turn heel. What he should do is, if uh, most of the Yenawahi and the Fatu family will be okay with this because they know the industry, have Bray Wyatt uh, just appear at Roman house and uh, take his family hostage. But it shouldn't be Firefly Funhouse. Bray Wyatt, sorry, in addition. It should be uh, White family, cult leader Bray Wyatt. And mm. him just like saying in his Louisiana accent, like, if you don't save your family, uh, Roman, uh, something bad's gonna happen. Not directly saying something bad's gonna insinuating something bad's gonna happen. And, yep, and right before the match at SummerSlam, it's building, it's building, it's building, so it's uh, really intense drama built up. So it should be a Obviously, a no DQ match. Yeah. But, uh, what? Roman, it's not traditional, but Roman should enter first. And then Bray should come out to the stage and go, Ah, oh. but he should be wearing something like a trench coat or something to hide what he's wearing. And he should be like, I can't beat you, Roman, so I'm not even going to bother trying. And then walk backstage, and then The Fiend's music should hit, and then uh, Bray should walk out as The Fiend and go, and that'll be the first time we've ever had The Fiend talk, and say, I've returned. Go out and literally squash the living fuck out of Roman. It would have got him over like crazy. It would have been a full redemption arc. It would have gotten the belt off him like it needed to be, and it would have put it back on him at the right time. And it would have not hurt Roman because, like, you couldn't really hurt what was yeah. already dead. And then Roman could have left and then come back with his character a couple, of, a month or a couple of months later, saying, "I let someone get to my family." I can't ever let that happen again. I've got to learn that I'm the head of this table.
1: Yeah, and that's that's definitely, um, and that would have been the way to have done the fiend at that time because uh, people wanted him to be the Undertaker, uh, but in reality, and this, and it's unfortunately too little, too late with that character, and they did it themselves. Yeah. Um, And people need to accept this. And once they do, they'll enjoy The Fiend a lot more. Is The Fiend's not The Undertaker. The Fiend is Kane. Yeah, exactly. And
0: even to a lot more of a point, The Fiend is The Fiend. Mm. We've already had Kane, and Kane was great. We've already had The Undertaker, and he's irreplaceable, and was great. And we've already had all these characters. That's why Dolph Ziggler is not getting over it, because we already had Shawn Michaels.
1: Yeah, and we've had Dolph Ziggler for too long, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. It's right, and it's, that's the important thing. It's reinvention, and it, getting back to the creative WWE, they are they do a lot wrong, uh, but obviously they succeed, so they must do something, and they do do some things right. Uh, I think McIntyre as a main eventer works. Um, especially, he's one of the few faces I feel actually suits holding the belt. Yeah.
0: uh,
1: There are two types of faces.
0: There are chases, and there are guys that have the thing to make it it better. And McIntyre is the kind of guy that makes it better. The belt doesn't make him, he makes the belt.
1: Yep, spot on. That's spot on. Just like, and I'm not saying he's the same level, but Cena did the same thing. Um, And, yeah, there are certain faces in history that, Yeah, it was good they had the belt, but they didn't need that belt. But the belt needed them. And Cena, I think, is one. I think McIntyre is one. And a lot of people are going to hate it, me saying this, but uh, Lesnar needed to have the belt when he did because they didn't know where they were going. People weren't accepting the idea of Reigns. People thought they liked Rollins, but they actually didn't. Um, So they needed to keep it on Brock because Brock was a draw and whoever went over Brock was getting that rub. Yeah. Exactly, And I love
0: the, uh, the old saying, if Brock doesn't like you, you won't have a good match with him. Or if he doesn't want to have the match, you won't have a good match with him. Which brings yep. me up to my my uh, my current WWE debacle that I'm very annoyed at, is that he dropped Samoa Joe. Because mm. at the Great Ball Survivor pay-per-view a few years ago, which is... I know it gets paid out, but I still think it is a great name. <laughs> but uh, Brock didn't want to have that match, and Samoa Joe dragged a very, very good match out of him. And Brock went backstage and praised Samoa Joe after that as well. Exactly, exactly. Like he is, I know he's injury prone, and that's one of the one of the main reasons WWE had dropped him. However, the man can talk. He's one of the greatest trainers on earth. Joe Sark's new Japan. He is
1: one of the greatest, um, he's. No, he's just, he's a, he's a. Incredible. He's a, everything. Yeah. Um, he's invaluable, which makes me think maybe there's more to this. Maybe, uh, you know, he, he talent requesting releases. Maybe Joe did it very quietly. Maybe he's just like, if you can't find a use for me in the ring, let me go.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, uh. Obviously, there's probably going to be a six-month uh, like clause in this contract, a knock b clause. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to see him pop up in New Japan next month, week, or AEW that in uh, Dynamite tomorrow night, or uh, no. or Impact, or uh, NWA Power. But in a few weeks, might see him pop up somewhere. And whoever gets him is instantly going to be elevated.
1: Yes, exactly. And I think who need him, yeah, and people are probably sick of me saying this is uh AEW. Um they're a very young company. Yeah. There's a lot of young wrestlers who need that veteran presence.
0: Yeah, I mean like they do have a veteran presence. I mean they've got Chris Jericho, they've got Sting, they've got The Big Show, they got Christian, they've got Jim Rice, they got Tony Shivani. They've got a lot of veterans there, but at the same time uh I know Christian is still and Sting can still go in ring to an extent. Samoa Joe, when he's healthy, can go
1: in ring full
0: ball. That's it. he's
1: gonna be like a Jericho, he's gonna help Carry not just gonna be a word, he's gonna be in ring doing it as well. Yeah.
0: He's uh even to an extent like Chris Jericho, he doesn't he wrestles but he doesn't wrestle every single week. He's no. involved in the show all the time. But if Samoa is healthy, he can be that veteran presence that is in the ring every single week. But at the yep. same time I I know Impact put them together. But I really want to see Taz and Samoa Joe on opposite sides. Mm. But I just want that war of words. I know Taz can't really get physical, but yeah, unfortunately. But Samoa Joe can, and Taz's son can. Yeah. Or even uh, uh, Brian Cage.
1: Yes, yes. There's a, there's so many matchups I want to say. And the fact that they have that door open, you might see Joe go over and do the odd date in New Japan. You might see Joe go back and do a match in Impact. And I'm going to say it now, Joe's first match in AEW if he signs, Christopher Daniels. Yeah. yeah. Just to reintroduce him to those fans and kind of give that, hey, remember this was the big feud in the early days of TNA. Yeah,
0: exactly. And uh... – One day, if he ever does go to AEW, I really hope one day AJ Styles cross that line, but (laughs) that'll never happen. He gets paid way too much in WWE, they like him too much, and also
1: he's a flat earther. So (laughs) yeah, there's a yeah, he's an interesting fella, (laughs) fantastic wrestler. I'll just leave it there. (laughs)
0: Okay, we're going to move on now for continuity's sake, for time's sake. Uh, we're going to move on to general world culture. So uh, you're like me, and you're one of the rare people that got a PS5. Yes, I am, yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed that a lot more friends that you don't regularly talk to are now trying to ask if they can come over?
1: Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people uh, will see the PS5 and be like, "Oh, did you get one of them?" I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Oh, it's it looks cool. It's big." I'm like, "It is big. It's uh, it's good too." They're like, "Oh, what? Do you have any two player games on?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> not yet." Anyway, but um, yeah, you know, it's one of those. Um, I'm very lucky. Oh, in fact, I've got a little story about how I got the PS5. It wasn't just that I got up early and pre-ordered EB Games. I'll let you know real quick. Um, unfortunately, I was hungover. And I missed my alarm to get up and pre-order from JB. And I was like, oh, fuck, fuck, fuck. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? They had the, oh, give us $50. And if stock is available, we'll allocate it to you. And I was like, all right. So I put that in. Big W had another one of, oh, give us $50. And we'll put you on pre-order. I was like, okay, I'll do that as well. Amazon actually had it. They said, if you pay in full right now, Guaranteed a PS5 release day, right as I was putting it in to make the payment, sold out. And I've got, I'm not getting one this year. I'm not. JB Hi Fi came up and said, If you put the $50 down now, we're pretty sure we're going to get allocated more stock and you are guaranteed day one if we do. So I put it in on JB Hi Fi. JB Hi Fi randomly called me two weeks later, like, Hey, We've been allocated more stock. You're next in line. If you can pay it by midnight tonight, you get one release day. And I went done and just paid it right then and there. So I was not the got up in order on EB Games. I was just a stroke of luck I managed to get one, and I'm very thankful for it.
0: Yeah. Mine was I woke up because uh, EB Games didn't give you an exact time. And most of their pre-orders start at, like, I think it's 7. So I wake up yep. at, like, 6.30, getting ready for it, and not realizing that the pre order started at 6 a.m., and they were already gone. I was like, oh, fuck you. So I got on their website, and my wife went into the store, and they're like, we don't do in-store pre-orders. I was like, what the yep. hell's the point in that? And she's like... So we're not pack out every single store we have. Fair enough, then. I thought you would want your store full, but fair enough. And uh, so I got, I was refreshing every two seconds, like literally every two seconds. <laughs> and I can't, uh, it might have been like 7.30, I think it was, that the, the list came up to add your name to pre-order. And so I did that, like, straight away. And it wasn't even, like, 731 before my name was on the list. Then I got an email <laughs> from, because uh, I knew I wouldn't be getting launched a PS5 that way. And I was like, oh, fuck, that sucks. And uh so I got an email from EBE about two weeks later saying, ah, because you were next in line, someone has cancelled their pre-order you are being moved up to launch day i'm like oh fuck yes <laughs> and then i got an email the next day from EB saying that email was mistake we're not upgrading oh. you i'm like what the fuck you can't do that and so i complained and i complained and i complained and then I, as an apology a week after launch date i got my ps5 Wow, there you there go that's uh people from the same
1: list still waiting yeah it's crazy and we're in what april now wow yeah it's uh it's uh and i i, you know, I forget i come back and i'm, I'm glad you brought it up because i'm like yeah there's still people that don't have one and uh i'm like my and my brother's all got one my brother dylan he's on like he's switched on like a light bulb he was he, he was probably the first person to get a pre-order for that one yeah. but uh and yeah, no, it's great i love the thing um it's surprisingly quiet. It makes a bit of noise when it's installing stuff. But other than that, I don't hear the thing. So I like that. And yeah. The controller is fantastic. If, well, oh. There's one feature i got to say. You play NBA 2K with that controller and you your guy rolls his ankle, you actually feel it in the triggers. They yeah. become harder to press in. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I play NBA 2K, NFL 21, uh, NHL 21, all that stuff. And, yeah. The sporting games, I've played Assassin's Creed Valhalla by Spider-Man Miles Morales. I've uh, played uh, Abe's, uh, sorry, Oddworld. Uh, not Abe's, oh, yep. that's the original. But I've uh, played a bunch of other movie, uh, games on it, and it is so much better. The haptic control, like, I've literally got the control in my hand right now. The haptic controls on it are just so much better if you hold the mute button down it mutes your entire television, yeah, uh if you just press it, it turns off the uh the microphone on it, although that doesn't have many features yet uh and why like, the fact that the whole system it forces games into your accessibility like uh if, if people who have listened to my previous podcast. And people listening, now I'm disabled and it's very hard for me to do things. I don't have a lot of dexterity in my fingers. And so uh, in games like God of War, I can't mm. repeatedly tap buttons. So like, I can't do the minigames. So yeah. like, the PS5 has an accessibility feature where if you tell it to that you can't play the mini games, it forces any game... No matter how it's coded, as long as it's readable by the PS Five to turn off the minigames. Wow, I did not know that. That is that's absolutely fantastic. The PS Five is an incredible, incredible piece of
1: hardware. Mm, it really it out is. Of the park. It is, and that's one of the things. And we're probably going to get uh, some comments go through. Oh, what about Xbox? I don't own an Xbox. I can't give you a comment on the Xbox. There's a reason I don't own an Xbox, which you probably they're probably going to yell at me for as well. Um, and that comes into the PlayStation versus Xbox versus PC, I guess. Um, there is a reason I have a PS5 and a PC. If you've got a PC, I find every game that's available on Xbox I can play on my computer, yeah. but it's not vice versa. Um, and when it comes to gaming, do I prefer gaming on the PC or console? Uh, I'm probably one of the few that's going to say this, but I still enjoy playing it on the console more. I don't know what it is. It just gets me in that, in that headspace yeah. of I'm playing a video game like I've done for without giving away my age for, I guess, 26, 27 years now like I've been playing video games for. So just sitting down in front of the TV, grabbing the controller and going, whereas right now I'm on the computer. If I'm on the computer playing WoW, which I love doing. I've also got Spotify open over here. I've got messenger open over here. I'm multitasking. I'm not focusing on one thing, which is not a bad thing. It's yeah. good. It's great. But when I'm sit down, I'm going to play Spider-Man. That's all I'm paying attention to. And it's uh immersive. Exactly. And also like, I, I, you're not
0: in the same boat, but like, I have two controllers and I can play with my kids. Like, yeah. They love swinging around New York being Spider-Man. They love uh, running around a basketball court shooting a ball. Uh, things that I can't physically do with my kids, like mm. go shoot a basketball, I can do it on the PlayStation 5. On the computer, that becomes someone... Like, yes, two-player is available, but have you ever tried sharing a keyboard with a five-year-old boy?
1: And you don't want, it's almost like that thing as well. It's like, don't go near my computer type yeah. of deal. Like I remember my dad saying, I'm still the same. And so I've got my computer here and friends come over. They're like, oh, that's good. I'm like, don't touch it. Okay. I don't say it, but I'm like, just don't you touch it. We can play the PlayStation. Just stay away from the computer. I'm afraid it's going to break. Exactly. And
0: My my, my uh, laptop cost me a lot of money. I don't exactly want an eight-year-old girl drawing a butterfly on it, if you know what I mean. I don't want to do that on my PS5 but at the same time I still don't want her doing it on a laptop that costs more than PS5. (laughs)
1: That's it. It's, um, I feel my computers work and play and my PlayStation is, it's just time to unwind. Um, you know, I'm getting into doing more, which is going to come out in the future of making more content on YouTube. Um, streaming on Twitch, that's starting up in the next fortnight. Um, which I'm extremely excited to do. Um, so there's going to be a lot more of, I guess, my face plastered around on social media. I'm sorry about that to everyone, but um, <laughs> it's what's happening. It's the day and age we're in. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, uh, I love gaming. I am a big gamer. It doesn't consume my life, but it is something I couldn't imagine giving up either. Um, I don't think games have the stigma as they did when we were little. Oh, that's violent, you can't do this. Oh, you play video games and rot your mind. It seems that's kind of died away in the last 10 years.
0: Yeah, especially because the the uh, the generation that invented gaming like back in the 70s and made it mainstream in the 80s and made it uber popular with the Sea of Us and Nintendo War in the 90s were all... Getting older, so we're all the current generation. We're the same age as the generation that complained about it to us.
1: Yeah, you're spot on, actually. Yeah, no, you're right. We
0: we all see the benefits of it. Yeah, sure, it means looking at a TV screen, but are you able to focus enough for a sniper to hit a dude 30 meters away? No, you're not. Well, in video games, we are because we all play a sniper or go. Uh, Call of Duty or stuff like that. Are you able to figure out the rules of basketball? Well, we are. Are you able to yeah. figure out the rules of, like, a berserker in the, like, in the ninth century? Because we are, because we played Assassin's Creed.
1: And that's it. And especially, and that's, um, sports has crossed over a little bit as well. Like, that's how I got into my love of um, basketball was playing 2K07 I yeah. uh, had Shaq on the cover. Holy shit, me too. Yeah, yeah, And that's how I first got introduced to sports. So, you know, if anything, it opened my mind to UFC as well. Uh, I didn't know what the UFC was until I picked up a game. Um, and then I played that and I got into that. So it did broaden my horizons to like the more socially acceptable hobbies, I guess, if you will. Yeah. Uh, you can't see my fing- finger quotes there, but they're happening. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's it. And people play games now. It- it's – it's normal. Look at Henry Cavill, uh building his PC uh, and making everyone swoon over him for that. It's become very and Marvel. Marvel have a lot to play into that too. It used to be, oh, you like Star Wars, and now it's kind of like, oh, well, everyone watches Star Wars and Marvel and DC, and it's just it's the way the world is. and It's great. Yeah. Um, I, it's it's a shame it wasn't like that ten years ago when I was growing up because I got bullied for it in high school. But yeah. I'm at a pretty good age now where I can really enjoy it, and I went to. A, Disney and went to Galaxy's Edge literally the month before Covid was announced and everything shut down I so I was super I lucky was very 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 jealous <laughs> and it was great and I was um and you know being a nerdy guy and liking these types of things it's it's liberating it's very enjoyable and my wife's the same <laughs>
0: yeah it's uh my my wife supports everything that I ever want to do like watch movies or Get into wrestling, go to wrestling shows, go to uh, gigs, play PlayStation, buy a new PS5, <laughs>
1: all
0: that stuff. But uh, it's not necessarily her cup of tea to yeah. I force, in quotation marks, force her to be immersed in my world as well. Then she realizes yep. why I like this stuff. Like, and it's important, it's
1: important, and it's like, um, and, and it's good. And I guess for, you know, myself, I, is that how you got the – are you a basketball fan, Tom?
0: Yeah, yeah, man. Like, uh, same thing, uh, uh, 2K07, that uh, mini game where you had to pull the sticks back and then push them forward to shoot the three throw, and you had to take on Shaq, that was uh, almost impossible. But uh, <laughs> I used to love that. Like, and especially now today, like, with uh, – the LeBron is of the world, or with the Michael Jordans of the world, basketball has ended the pop culture scene, like through the mm. Space Jam movies, through yes. uh, several other movies with Kevin Durant and a few other players. Although the new Lebron Tunes looks absolute shit. LeBron James is <laughs> still one of the greatest players, not the greatest player, and I don't even put that down to Jordan. However, basketball has more than ever entered the mainstream, more than any other sport in the world.
1: Yeah, look, how many times do, like, I went out yesterday, and the amount of different uh, jerseys you see, you used to only see Michael Jordan jerseys. Yeah. Uh, And people just wore them because everyone knew who Mike was. I go out there, I see Durant, I see Curry, I see Kyle Kuzma. Like, people like that, you don't even need to be the star of the team anymore. For people and people know who these people are, like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, yeah, LeBron of course, but LeBron's like LeBron. He yeah. is the Jordan figure. But all these other players that are on other teams that and they don't even need to be high market teams, like yeah, Luca Doncic, for example, just this European kid who's twenty one is a global sensation now. He's it's going to uh, be
0: the next big name in the NBA, I swear. He already uh, is a big name, but I reckon he's going to be one of the biggest names in the NBA. A
1: hundred percent guarantee. And its I remember I'd go for a coffee break at work and someone will come up and they'll be talking about basketball, watching basketball on their phone. That didn't happen five years ago. Yeah. It's uh, – a grown so so much where and these guys are becoming you know celebrities they're appearing in movies they're appearing in commercials it's uh really broken open that sports door that you know was lacking because we used to have sports superstars like david beckham he was everyone knew who beckham was yeah Uh, everyone knows who lebron is everyone knows who like you just had jordan before if you actually knew the sport you probably knew who magic johnson was you probably knew who larry bird was you probably couldn't name ten NBA players back in the early '90s unless they played on the Bulls, like Rodman, Pivot. Yeah, um, exactly. And even days, then,
0: Rodman. Rodman. He was a part of an NBA championship team. He was part of the Pistons. Yeah, b- before the Bulls it. ended their dynasty, and until he joined the Bulls, no one knew who the fuck he was.
1: No, no, he was. Uh, and then you know, after he did that, he started doing the movies. He was. Uh, you know, he uh, was in double team with Jean-Claude Van Damme and he was dating Madonna. So he became a celebrity. And
0: um, he started doing the wrestling, even though, like, most people might cringe at that. In the late 90s, wrestling was the shit. It was outrating yeah. it in Monday Night Football in America. It was That's the it. biggest people thing knew. going.
1: People knew who wrestlers were. Everyone knows who Stone Cold Steve Austin is, who The Rock is. Well, that's guaranteed now. Yeah. <laughs> they knew The Undertaker. They they knew these people. And then it died down for a bit. I've got a friend who's a bodybuilder, and he knows who John Cena is. He knows who Steve Austin is. But I said, you know Triple H? He's like, no. Nah. I, like, I showed him pictures. Like, oh, yeah, I think I've seen a picture of him before but never knew his name. And I was like, that's interesting. I thought, being a wrestling fan, maybe he had crossed that barrier of wrestling to pop culture. And I asked a couple of other people, and they had no clue – yeah. Triple H's. One guy said, Wasn't he in Blade? And I was like, Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Unfortunately,
0: he so, and- was in Blade Trinity.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: uh, like, even like things like, uh, t- like you mentioned, Steph Curry, his brother Seth, he plays in the NBA as well. I didn't know this, but their father was one of the original Raptors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was. Um, he played with Vince Carter. Yeah, yeah, yeah from um, the cause he was a, Toronto. Yeah, because he was in Charlotte before then, and then when the Raptors formed, yeah, he jumped over there. Yeah. Why? Like, and like, there's
0: footage of Steph, uh, the age of like eight, shooting a three, uh, three. Vince Carter missing the three from the same yeah. spot, and Steph outplaying him.
1: Yeah, like, holy it's, shit. It's, crazy. it's it's amazing, isn't it? And it makes me wonder as well, if these some of these players played a bit later, would they have become the pop sensation? So Vince Carter, I can 100%, if he played in this day and age at a younger age, would have blown up in the mainstream for like, what he, he could do.
0: Even back then, like the slam dunk competitions that he was part of back then, like, oh. they got mainstream popularity because of the shit he was doing with the
1: ball. That's it, Uh, and that was the start of it. NBA players now are kind of like the celebrities the wrestlers were in the late 90s, so like your Hulk Hogan's and everything. People may not watch basketball, but they sure as hell know who these guys are. Who do you think will
0: be in the finals? Uh, This year? We'll go with your
1: Western Conference beat. Okay, Western Conference. Uh, I'm going to go – I have to say Lakers because I'm a Lakers sport, and I do think the Lakers, when they're healthy, are going to get back to the conference finals. But I'm not – I
0: think the Jazz. I yeah, was going to say I, the Nuggets, but I think the Jazz. I was going to say Utah are going to get there. I reckon yeah. it'll be the first time since the 90s, since the mailman, but they're yep. going to get there since Carmelo, Malone. But they're going to do get there, absolutely. Although, I, personally – because of my love for a certain East Coast team, I really want <laughs> the Lakers to get there. Just so they can lose? No, just because I want to <laughs> see the tournament to break the streak. Uh, not yeah. to break the streak, to decide which team is
1: ultimately better. <laughs> yeah. I know, it. it's going to be interesting. In East. I feel is a little bit more up in the air than what people yeah, think. Yeah, it is. it
0: is. It's way the fuck in the air. Uh, Especially if one player
1: in particular get, is healthy before the finals. That's it. And it, and people go, oh, the Nets and Nets and Nets. I'm like, we've barely seen those three play on the court together. I wonder how they'll go on a seven game series. Yeah. Uh, on paper? It just seems like a no-brainer, but I'm not convinced. For those, the Nets will make it through. For those
0: people out there, those three players that we're talking about: are Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. James Harden just came over from the Rockets. Yep, I believe. Yeah, but James Harden is injured now. And before he was uh, injured, I think it was Kyrie
1: who was injured. I think it went in this order, Kyrie, Durant, James. Yeah. Yeah, because I think when um, James got traded, Durant got injured like before he could play his first game with him. So it's... Yeah. Um,
0: and they've never actually had that opportunity to gel. But if they do and they gel well, no one in either conference is going to hold a candle to what the can do with each other.
1: No, the only thing I think that matches up statistically well, and, Bo, and there's three teams in the West that can combat this, um, is they don't have any size. Yeah. The don't, they just lost LaMarcus. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, he's had to retire due with a irregular heartbeat. Um, DeAndre Jordan, unfortunately, is getting older, and they traded Jared Allen. Um, yeah. Although – They don't have any size.
0: Jordan, Jordan can play – he doesn't. There's an old saying, you don't have to be big to play big. Yeah. And Jordan can do that if he can pull something good out of his ass. Because if you actually look at his uh, shot average numbers, he's very oh. fucking good. He's like in the record books. Good. I think he's the best in history, isn't he? No, well, I th- is it, I'm pretty sure it's Walt Chamberlain is the best. He's
1: up there. I know. At least he might be the best in the modern era oh but, yeah um, easily
0: easily yeah
1: because yeah, he we, just stands under the roman dunks that's it but he's getting older and i'll notice he's not playing as many minutes so it's going to be interesting like the Lakers getting drumming and having Drummond and harrell as the two-headed snake is uh well that's um that's going to be hard but at, at the same time in the west you got you got go bear on the jazz down there they've got such a tremendous team. They're doing such good things in Utah, but unfortunately, such a low market team. They're not getting the media attention they deserve for it. Yeah. Um, and the other team is the Denver Nuggets. Um, oh yeah, with uh, Jokic. I, I personally believe he's this season's MVP.
0: Oh, that's a big call. <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't actually disagree with you there.
1: <laughs> Except for
0: maybe uh, what's the name? Tatum out of the
1: Celtics. Yeah, Taylor's playing fantastically, but I think it, when it comes down, they always look at how many wins the team has. Yeah. And I think the wins is what's going to uh, snub anyone from the Celtics. from getting, It's like people go, why didn't Kobe win ballers? Because when Kobe was balling, his team just – there was no one. He was playing with Smush Parker. Yeah. Like he had no one. Because by um, that stage, uh, what's in a Shaq had gone to the heat. Yeah. Yeah. And Kobe was averaging the most points ever per game since Jordan, but you know that's just not enough when you're the eighth seed.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, my uh, for because I never finished my thought. I just realized uh, <laughs> my my dream matchup would be the Lakers in the West and the Celtics in the East, mm-hmm. simply because they're both seventeen in a piece. However, I, there are three or four that I don't count for the Lakers. Because that's when they were still Minnesota.
1: <sighs> you could argue that. My, my, my big argument for that is, is like, yeah, but the Celtics have only won one in like 35 years. <laughs> so yeah, but it, we yeah. won in 09. Yeah, that's it. Um, it was all Bill. <laughs> Bill's the greatest ring holder. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's I would love to. And that would be a good final for this year because it's kind of like, all right. They have to break the tie. Exactly, um, that's kind of the why the Celtics I could it. do it. They're like, it, so, it depends on what the Nets because the Celtics are still, I'd say, in the top four in the East as a favorite. You got them, top, the number four in the East,
0: number twelve overall.
1: Because you'd have them, the Sixers, Nets, of course, and who else is playing? Oh, uh, Bucks. You always got to put the Bucks in there, but they seem to struggle in the playoffs.
0: The Bucks. Their their problem is they have a with I think it's Middleton over there playing yeah. off against Giannis Idrisakumbo. Uh, yeah, he's Giannis is one of the greatest players to ever live, and he will go down as that. And but the problem is the Bucs put everything on Giannis. If he has a bad night, the Bucs have a bad night. If mm-hmm. he has a good night, the Bucs have a good night. That's simple. All you have to do is learn how to, when he's not on the court, play harder. Or when he is on the court, shut him down and the Bucs yeah. are
1: fucked. Yeah, that's it. They're very much what the Houston Rockets were doing with James Harden. Yeah. Um, they're running everything through him and eventually people are going to click onto that. I don't think it's clicked on there yet because people were just giving Harden shit um, for a long time. But eventually they'll go, oh. Is is Giannis, because it took him a while to figure out Westbrook was the problem on a lot of teams as well. They haven't had Giannis play with another superstar. Like Middleton's fantastic, don't get me wrong, but he hasn't played with, you know, a Paul George type or something to be there as, well, I used to lead a team as well. And then if you had someone like that there, you could actually go, okay, did they just need that part or is. Giannis, another hard or a Westbrook player, where he's fantastic because he's doing it all, but he can't work in the bigger picture of winning the ring.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing as LeBron. In, when he was at Cleveland, they couldn't win the ring, and he went to the Heat, where he worked with Wade and a couple others, and they won two in a row. Yeah. And then uh, when he came back to Cleveland, they paired him up with Kyrie Irving, they realized that two superstars are better than one superstar and they yeah. won the fucking ring. And then people he went over to sorry. the Lakers and proved that he could do it again.
1: Mm. He can do it with different people, which says a lot about it. What people don't understand is – Every team is going to have two superstars these days because there's more better players in the NBA these days. It's not like the 90s where there was 10 to 12 great players. There is a great player on – or two great players on every team now. Yeah. look at You, the- can't, you have to have a – Dirk was probably the very last person to win a ring of being the only superstar, but he had a lot of aging former all-stars with a lot of combined intelligence of the game there as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But uh- – yeah, well, even the Mavs at the moment, like you brought up earlier, uh, Luca Doncic is down there. But you've also got, uh, what's his name, the big fellow? Kristaps Porzingis. Yes, yeah, him. <laughs> Sorry, I'm terrible with names. But, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got him playing off against Luka. And, like, maybe not this year, but next year, I reckon they're going to be contenders.
1: Yep. They're missing one piece, and the piece is obvious: is they need an Andre Drummond player. They need a Rudy Gobert player. Yeah, um, exactly. Because Luca catches a lot of rebounds, but he, he doesn't. That's not his job on the team. Chris Kristaps is—he's um, not normally near the rim. Like he'll get the blocks because the dude's freakishly tall, and he can shoot. So when he's shooting, he's not there. He's not grabbing second chance points. They need—they need a said Clint Capella would have been great for them. Yeah. They just need that guy, and I feel you put just even a Klinkapella. Capella. They should be picking up a Sam Whiteside from free agency and take the risk on him at the moment, because if they get one good center who can defend and grab boards, I think they're a top four team in the West.
0: Yeah, easily, easily. The NBA race in the mainstream was inevitable. It's a yep. very uh, simplistic game. All you need is a hoop and a ball. You can literally play it anywhere. Uh, with things like Space Jam, obviously it was going to reach the mainstream. The greatest of all time is always going to be an argument because it was a... Di- Wood Chamberlain played in a different era to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played in a different era to Kobe Bryant. And even though they overlapped, this era and the era from the noughties is different. So LeBron and... Kobe of the Kings were different eras as well.
1: Mm, that's it. That's it. It's, it's an argument that will never, I believe, truly be set in stone, I think. It, people will always say MJ because he was the first that people saw on TV be fantastic. Uh, he was oh, the first. I, I would even say uh, before him, Johnson. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. But I didn't, I, I guess for us growing up, um, there wasn't a lot of basketball on TV, but you're right. Magic Johnson was kind of like the first... Homemade star, I believe, worldwide. Um, And I think Jordan took it to the next level where he was a pop culture icon. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, like, well, going back before, and we're talking about uh, how Star Wars fans, and I think it's, I think you said wrestling fans, are the biggest uh, detractors of what they love. I would go as far to say we can throw NBA in with that as well. Because like, I'm, I'm a member of a few, uh, especially Boston Celtics fans, I'm a member of a few uh, clubs online, like the Facebook clubs, and yep. all they can do is bitch about their team. Like, they just pulled out a victory, uh, and they won by 30 points. Okay, but Kemba's shit. <laughs> that's
1: Where exactly. did that come from? So he scored
0: 20 yeah. points tonight. Yeah, but he didn't pass through Tatum at this point. But Tatum scored on that ball. <laughs> the fuck?
1: People don't realise as well, we're watching it from a bird's eye view. They can't see what we can see when we're
0: watching it. Yeah, for all they know, Kemba <laughs> saw someone's hand or he saw, or he couldn't see Tatum properly or something like that. Yeah,
1: it's it's different. They're exhausted. We're watching it. A bit. It's the same people that yell at Sporting Gate. Yeah, sometimes it is frustrating and it's obvious, but we're looking at it at a complete different angle than what they're looking at it. Exactly. Although I do uh,
0: my honours peaks for the uh, for finals, are the Jazz from the
1: West and the Sixers from the East. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Sixers get through this year. It's it's very realistic. It took a while, but
0: finally, Simmons and, uh, what's his name, Embiid uh, finally
1: gelling. Yes, it did take a while. Um, I don't know what clicked. Um, I think Simmons realized a little bit more that he is the point guard. Yeah. Um, Because he played powerful, but he is the point guard, so he needs to get out of Embiid's way or at least help Embiid get to that area.
0: I think uh, also, uh, who's the new coach? Is it Steve Nash? Uh, Doc Rivers Doc Rivers Steve Nash he's uh, Nats the Nats yeah uh, yep. yeah I think Doc Rivers just kind of sat him down and pretty much said if you don't learn your fucking role I'm gonna kick you the fuck out of this team
1: and yeah, I just I, I, go I, I, I
0: okay yeah I better learn
1: I do think that was something that was going to happen. If Simmons and Embiid didn't gel this season, Simmons would have been moving on. Yeah. He wouldn't
0: have gotten rid of Embiid. Embiid's too good. He would have no. added Embi- to any, literally any other team that he went to. And it would have been, in my view, the Nets would have snatched up Embiid. They're, yeah. They're looking to create a dynasty team. I reckon that's why they got Harden. That's why they got Kyrie. That's why they got Durant. I reckon next they're gonna look for
1: a big center. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do or if egos um, break it down. It'll be interesting next three
0: years for the Nets. Yeah, I think if they do it right, they're gonna create a new mm mm-hmm. Mhm. But it's so easy in that situation to do it
1: wrong. Yeah, and they're all sneakily old besides Kyrie. James and well, Durant are in their 30s with injuries. Well, Kyrie's in his 30s. Yeah, they're all getting up there. It's um, Although, They're not a young buck team.
0: I have a uh, a spot for Kyrie because he's Australian, technically. Yeah, yeah he technically he's born in Melbourne. In
1: Melbourne.
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much the end of the show because we're going way over time. I might actually end up having to cut this into two but hopefully not because we had a lot of technical difficulties during this show. I had a power outage. The phone call cut out a bunch of times. Yeah. I've been Tom
1: Roberts. This is Jai Satright. Thank you all for tuning in. This has been a great, lot of fun and geez, Tom, I could just talk to you for hours and hours, but uh, maybe we can save that for another time.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I will probably heat you up at some point to be a guest again. We'll talk about different topics. Although I do have to admit I love talking with a person that actually knows about pro wrestling. <laughs> so we could definitely do that again. Well yeah. we could probably base an entire show
1: around pro wrestling in my book. Maybe we should um Double or Nothing's coming up in May. Maybe we should do a fallout of Double or Nothing. Oh I've gotta be able
0: to afford it. <laughs> That's the problem with AEW. Their pay per views are the original pay per view price. Whereas WWE I just get the network and watch it. But the problem with that is I don't even though I had the network, I still don't watch their pay per views.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm the same, except for a Royal Rumble WrestleMania SummerSlam. But um no but um yeah we'll see what we can do, but no, we'll uh, we'll definitely do something again.
0: Yeah, it sounds good to me. Uh so once again this is the Before It Was School Podcast. I'm Tom Roberts,
1: your co-host. This is your co-host, Dry Set, Right. And once again, thank you for having me here today, Tom. Hopefully I can come back and we can touch on some of these subjects again because we could have done each of these subjects broken down into multiple shows. So uh please keep me in mind, don't delete my phone number after this. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry, I I won't
0: because I enjoyed this as much as you did. I hope you all the people listening out there enjoyed this too uh thank you very much and goodbye
1: see you next time